tonight we're going to be talking about the church. Say the church. And by that I do not mean this building. And I do not mean just greater life church. But I mean the entire body of Christ that we call the church. The book of Acts verse chapter 2 verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let me say tonight, I love the church. I love my church. I love Greater Life Church. Amen. I am thankful for the church tonight. The church is often referred to as a family. And I say tonight, I love my family. I understand that there are people who've had a rough life. I'm aware that not everyone has had an ideal home to grow up in. But I'm so thankful that God made a way for us to become family That God allowed us to be adopted sons and daughters. And that we get to be brothers and sisters in Christ. That way no matter what kind of home we were raised in. Or what life we came from. We get to be a part of a different family. One that still has bumps and and crazies. And people that may get on our nerves from time to time. But I am thankful for my family tonight. Amen. This wonderful church, it came to be by the blood of Jesus and the message of Pentecost that happened in Acts chapter 2. This call for repentance and baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost allowed us the opportunity to become a part of the body. This sermon that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 initiated the greatest religious movement the world has ever seen, the church. Acts chapter 2 verse 47, just nine verses after Peter shares that message of Pentecost, being baptized and filled, and it says that many were added to the church daily. So what happened from that Acts 2.38 message to Acts chapter 2 verse 47 was people being added to the church With the arrival of the Holy Ghost, an atmosphere of unity came upon them. Scripture said they had all things common. 
Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they all liked apples. It doesn't necessarily mean they all had the same flavor ice cream that was all the same choice that they would pick. But rather, it meant that they had the same purpose in mind. They had the same heart, the same attitude towards the things of God. And they said, we want this. We all want this together. And whatever we've got to do to accomplish it, let's do that. This first church was and is still the method that we are to follow. Why? Because it was effective. It worked. It still works. And it will work. They had favor, Scripture says, with all people. Wouldn't you like to know tonight that you had favor with all people? That every person you talked to, the doctor, the bank, the lawyer... That you had favor with them. Whether you realize it or not, you do. You do have favor with people. If you've been blood-bought and you've taken on His name, then you do have favor. Amen. And we need to live as such. The book of Acts shows a church that thrived. Even under extreme pressure and persecution, the church thrived. It was successful. Not only was it successful, but it grew in spite of the persecution. They had revival in spite of all the hatred. They were having moves of God in spite of other people trying to shut them down. Because the church is going to live on. The church is going to make it. This church was so invested in each other that they broke bread. They fellowshiped one with another. They went house to house. They went selling things and giving things to others as they needed them. They looked after one another. They lifted one another up. They encouraged one another. Why? Well, because the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the mother of us all. The church is one that we have to look after and take care of. It's the body of Christ. It's our family. And just as you would with your own son or daughter or brother and sister, if they were hurting, you would do everything in your power to help them. We ought to have the same mindset if we see one of our brothers or sisters in here hurting and saying, what can I do to help you? What can I do to encourage you today? What can I do for my family? Not everything was always perfect, but the church family committed to fellowship and unity to be God's mission to their world. Our first part of tonight's lesson is the church that Jesus created. Jesus Christ gave his life for the church. It is the body of Christ, the called out assembly of people who follow him. Members of his body are in covenant with him. Scripture said because he loved this church, he gave himself for it. He said he desired that it not just be a church, but a glorious church. A glorious church. You see, we can have church... Or we can be a glorious church. We can be this lady on the side. Or we can truly be the bride of Christ. And live accordingly to the word. And do whatever we can to be the church. And to be that spotless bride that he wants to come back for someday. 
This relationship and all that God did at Calvary made it possible for us to become part of this body. It made a way for individuals who were lost and enslaved to their sin and strangers to be able to find a way to God, to escape the pressures of this world, and to come not only into a building, but into a body of believers that would accept them and receive them and tell them, I know where you came from because I too used to be lost. I too used to be a wayward son and a wayward daughter, but God found me too, and he saved me, and he redeemed me, and he bought me with his own blood, and he did the same for you, and you can be a part of this. Yet no matter where one comes from, Christ has set in motion a plan to save the lost Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And in that, he united us as the church. Nothing of human design could rival the scope of God's church. It's a glorious church. And it is his church. When he was talking to Peter, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This church is more to him than just a number. It is more to him than a people who look a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way. This church is his bride. This church is one that he loves so passionately that he does everything he can to make sure that it is saved. He's allowed it to live on through the ages, even when others have tried to bury it and get, a, get rid of it. He's always found somebody who was hungry enough and desperate enough for him to pour himself out into so that the church could carry on. I'm thankful for his church tonight. A congregation can be formed by any effective leader. Gathering people together in the same room does not make a church. Getting a bunch of people to commit to being at the same place on the same night does not mean you have a church. Any person that gets some legal documents together and the help of some officials can, can sign something and have a congregation. But the church could only be crafted and created by the Almighty God. We are connected to this church by blood. We are not just friends. We're blood. You hear me? We're blood. When we're talking about family, you say, well, well, we're blood. We're blood kin. We're related. You and I, we're blood. We're a family. We all bear the same last name. Because when we were buried in baptism, we took on the name of Jesus. And now you're not just so-and-so, but you're my brother and you're my sister. Amen? We're still together in this. A few years ago, there was some people that just kind of frustrated me a little bit. They said, well, I, I, I'm just so tired of all this brother-sister talk. Just, just call me by my first name. It makes us sound old and outdated. I still like calling you brother. I still like calling you sister. I still like knowing that we're family, that we're connected, that we're a part of this same body together. 
Our collective calling is to be members of the body of Christ. We then each agree to serve the whole and thus form the whole body. And we enjoy the blessings of the church. Within the framework of showing such love, we gain the benefit of receiving the same. In the church, we find comfort during life's most difficult seasons. Every time I see somebody hurting, who has suffered loss, who has gone through tragedy, I cannot fathom what somebody does without the church. I cannot imagine what people would do without the body of Christ to be there and support them and pray with them and help them during those difficult seasons. I can't imagine one that's been broken in the world coming into a place that we call the church and somebody not reaching out and help him and somebody not reaching out to pray for them. I cannot fathom that. But I am so thankful tonight to know that in the church we find comfort during life's most difficult seasons. I'm thankful that we find the church is there to celebrate with us during those moments of blessings and victories. That when somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit or somebody gets a breakthrough or somebody gets a financial blessing that we can rejoice with them. That we can be thankful with them. That we can take them by the hand and shout with them. We may not know the victory that they just got, but if they got it, we ought to be thankful. If they just got a blessing and they let out a shout, you ought to shout with them. I don't know what we're shouting for, but I'm happy for you. I'm excited. I'm so thankful for the church that's there to support during every challenge that we face. That when we come and not know what's going to happen next. Or we have what we call prayer requests. Petitions that we cry out to God. That there are brothers and sisters that are there that pray with us. Maybe we don't even know that they pray for us. But in the privacy of their own home, they kneel beside their bed and they call your name out in prayer. And they encourage you and you're not even there in the same room with them. But you just, you're somewhere else and you know somebody's touched God for you. I'm thankful that our God works in that way. We are in this together. Look at somebody around you right now and tell them, we are in this together. There is no better word to depict the church referenced that we are trying to mold ourselves after is the word together. Together. Scripture says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Start looking at the New Testament church and how it fashions us today. You begin reading and you will find phrases like, We pray together. We labor together. We come together. We have been raised together. We have been made to sit together. We are built together. We are framed together. We are joined together. Together. If you'll open up your Bible to Acts chapter 2, 
verses 1 through 4, you will find that they were all in the same place with one mind and one accord. They were all there together. Their spirits were all joined together. They were together in purpose, together in mind, together in spirit. Even when Paul was separated from the churches, he would write letters and he would say, I may not be there in body, but I am there with you in spirit. Because regardless of where I am, we've still got to be together. If it comes to where our doors are closed and we can't get together, we've still got to find a way to be together. We've still got to find a way to be the church and be unified and be together. That brings us to point number two, which is living in unity. Not just being unified every once in a while, but living in unity. The church, this wonderful, glorious church, is made up of humans. Flawed creatures in desperate need of grace. Imperfect people that serve a perfect God. Even though we have been transformed, we still experience conflict and hurt. Can you say amen? That even though I've been blood-bought, I still have bad days. That even though God has been so gracious and good to me, there are days that life is still rough and beats you up from time to time. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I don't want any, any gap or void in this body. I don't want any gap or void between you and you and you. I want us to be unified together. He said, if you hurt, I hurt. If you rejoice, I rejoice. We're in this together is what he was saying. Living in a family is not always easy. Don't say amen to that one. (laughs) Sometimes living in the same house with certain people is not the easiest task in the world. Sometimes you've got people that are connected to your family that make you want to pull your hair out. It happens. But at the end of the day, I can't imagine life without my family. Amen? I can't imagine doing life without them. Because at the end of my life, the people that will be sitting close to the casket will be my family. It will be people that I loved and that I hope loved me back. There's something special and beautiful about family. And whether it's your personal family, your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters, or maybe it's an adopted mom or dad. Maybe it's your church family. Maybe it's your friends that were like family. Whoever it is, it's close to you. Find somebody that you can connect with, that you can share the same purpose and mindset with, and said, we're going to do this together. We have got to extend the same grace and mercy as Christ gives us as we realize human beings are still human. So these people who make up the entire church are not perfect. So life in the family may sometimes not be perfect. Did you hear me? I'm going to say it again. These people, say me, are not perfect. We're not perfect. 
So life in the family may sometimes not be perfect. Well, so-and-so said something that hurt my feelings. So-and-so did this to me, and it really hurt. Well, you know what? I've said some really dumb things to my family before. I've probably said something really dumb to some of you once upon a time. And I'm so thankful that when that happens and when we do fail and when we do mess up, that we don't use that as an opportunity to amputate part of the body and say, no, 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 I'm done with you. I'm cutting you off right here. I'm thankful that that's not what the church is, that that every time something happens and, and a human shows me that they're human, that I don't just cut them off because at some point in time I'm going to need them and they're going to need me. We've got to live in unity. If there is a problem, if I'm a kid and me and sister are fighting and it happened from time to time, I knew I could run and tell dad, hey, we're fighting. We just had it out. You also can run to your father and you can pray and you can talk to him and say, look, this happened and I'm really upset right now. I'm really frustrated right now. You, if you're truly family, you can go to that one and say, look, I know that we just had it out, but we got to live in the same house. We still are, are right. You're, you're in the room right next to me. We sit at the same dinner table. We sit on the same pew. We pray together at the same altar and we're going to go to the same heaven together. So we better get this right and learn to live in unity right here and right now. Let's get it right. Our aim today is no different than an axe. We want unity. We want a move of God. And we want lives changed. And we want the church to be added to daily. Regardless of backgrounds, life experience, and opinions. What we see in the book of Acts, and especially in our world today, the church is the world's greatest hope. The church is that opportunity that they are looking for. Redeemed as we may be, nobody is exempt from the fact that we are human. We will experience some kind of offense or hurt within the church. I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. If you haven't been offended yet, it's going to happen. If you have, you're still here. You're still here. And you're a testimony tonight that, I can be offended, it it can come to me, and I can take it, but I, I can also push through it and forgive them and move on, and let's have church. We will experience some kind of offense or hurt within the church. This is not because the church is evil. This is not because the person sitting beside you is a devil. This is not because they did something really bad before they got here. This is because... The perfect plan of God is made up of imperfect people. The perfect plan of God is made up of imperfect people. If offenses come, and they will, make it right. You know, a restaurant that we love to go to, we may go tonight after church, and they may bring our order, and it may be nothing like what we asked for. It may not be what we wanted. It may be messed up and fallen off the plate. And you're thinking, boy, this is pitiful. But you know what? Two or three months down the road, you'll start craving that same restaurant, and you'll go back even though they disappointed you once before. Right? 
Some of us don't. Some of us say, nope, you, you messed up one time. I'm writing you off. I'm done with you. But most of the time, we'll, we'll go back and we'll give them another shot. Then can we do the same thing for the body of Christ? Can we do the same thing for the people that, hey, I know you didn't get it right on Sunday. I know the, the other day when we had that, that little spat that it, it wasn't perfect. But, but, but I forgive you and I'm coming back and, and I'm not letting that kick me out of here. I'm not letting that keep me away from the house of God. It's not worth all that. There's good stuff here. It's important that we are sensitive to each other's needs. 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 12 both mention bearing with one another and forgiving one another. James instructed believers not to talk about one another. My Lord. Pastor will preach that one next time. Peter urged that we be ready to conform our desires, change our desires, that of our brother or sister. I'm going to change the way that I feel about this to what they feel about this. Well, are you giving in? Are you? No. I'm trying to make sure that we have the same heart and we have the same spirit and we have the same attitude. And if they're, they're needing something right now, let me go over there and help them. Let me encourage them. Let me lift them up. He said to behave humbly towards one another. My, my. Behave humbly to one another. Remember when issues arise that Christ died for both parties. And his desire is that we live together in unity. That when I do something wrong and I've offended somebody, that God is going to extend grace and mercy to me and to that one that I offended. That God is going to be there as a mediator and he's going to be the one that tries to keep you all connected and say, hey, don't, don't let this come between you. Don't let this keep you from the cross. Don't let this keep you from heaven. Because it's not worth it. And whatever I've got to do to help make that happen, I'm going to do it. I'm going to come and die for this church. I'm going to come and give my life for this church that you're a part of. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you make it. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you can keep peace between you. You've got to live together in unity. The third part of the church we're talking about tonight is gifts of the Spirit. God gave His church gifts. Gifts of the Spirit for ministry. When people in the body yield to the move of His Spirit, these gifts operate supernaturally to help the church. If somebody's being used in the gifts of the Spirit and it's hurting the church, they're not operating in the gifts of the Spirit. But if they are in tune with the Holy Ghost and they are prayed up and they're walking with God and they are being sensitive to the move of God, then the, the gifts that God has given will build up. They will edify. They will encourage. It is there to help the church. This is not to make you uncomfortable. This is not to cause a scene. This is not to do anything other than to help edify the body. These gifts are supernatural abilities that God grants to believers for the purpose 
of ministering to the church. To give him or her a place and a function in the body. There's a difference of gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. Because gifts, they are given. Gifts are given. Whether I earned it or not, it's given to me as a gift. The fruit that I have is a choice that I have to make to live right and to do the things of God. And through that, I will bear fruit of the Spirit. But these gifts, as as Paul said in Corinthians, that the church did not lack for these gifts. They had them. They were evident. But he also said they had them even while they were carnal. What? Carnal people have gifts? The church... The church has these gifts. And unfortunately, there's still carnal people in the church. So having gifts of the Spirit does not make someone a super spiritual person. Somebody going around bragging about them having a gift of the Spirit does not make them super spiritual. And it should not intimidate you. It should not make you feel like, well, man, I'm missing out. They're on a whole other level than I am. They're they're used in the gifts of the Spirit. We all are given those gifts. We all are given a gift that we have a purpose in that body that we can be used. The fruit gives evidence of our spiritual maturity. But the gift tells us about the nature of the giver who is God himself. A gift is not deserved or earned or it would not be a gift. The gifts of the Spirit are broken into three categories. The revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the vocal gifts. Revelation gifts consist of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The power gifts is faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles. The vocal gifts are tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. The gift of the word of wisdom is when God supernaturally bestows a believer with a portion of God's wisdom. Wisdom for a situation that the believer could not otherwise know. You ever felt that before? That just, you're praying and God, I need help. I need you to help me in this. And all of a sudden, you kind of had a a light to that path that you needed to take. And God made that way known. And God made that a possibility for you to understand just what was unfolding. That's a gift of the Spirit. The gift of the word of knowledge. Not the gift of knowledge. I can read a book and get knowledge. I can go watch some documentaries and gain some knowledge. But it says the gift of the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is information about which the believer has no personal knowledge. It is a small portion of God's knowledge imparted by the Holy Spirit. Next is the discerning of spirits. This gift enables a person to recognize what spirits are at work in given situations. This could include the Holy Spirit as well as an angelic presence, demons, or even human spirits. And that happens. There's people that they they just sense and if you're a child of God and, and you know that God has entered the room and you, you sense that, I believe Sunday morning and Sunday night, we felt the presence of God in this place. Amen. 
You, you didn't have to be super spiritual. You just sat here and there was just this knowing God is here. Something is happening. God is, God is working in this place. Next, you have the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the sudden assurance given by the Holy Ghost that God will do a thing. The gift of healings in the Greek, the text, the word here for healing is plural. This may indicate that there are different gifts for varying diseases. And we must remember, healing can take place gradually. When we pray and say, God, I need you to heal this. I need you to heal this one. And I need you to work out in this. And I need you to do something here. It may not just change overnight, but it can happen gradually. A couple years ago, we prayed for a young lady who had cancer. And we prayed and asked God to touch her. And you know what? The cancer didn't just all poof, gone the next day. Everything didn't disappear in a moment. But the next time she went back to the doctor, they said, they're calling you the girl the disappearing tumors. Because while there were this many, now there's just a few. Because that work that was being done, it doesn't always just happen overnight. But God said, hold on, I'm not done yet. I, I want to give this girl a name. I want them to start calling her the girl with the disappearing tumors. And they know that there's another one at work here. Next is the gift of working miracles. Miracles can happen in many ways. Body limbs grow back. Dead coming back to life. It may involve an object or a situation. Do not box your miracle in. Do not say, God, this is how you've got to work it out. This is how you've got to do it. You, you just ought to believe God to do it however he wants to do it. And say, God, if you want to work a miracle, I don't care how you do it. If I've got to put mud on my eyes, then I'll put mud on my eyes. If I've got to go dip in the muddy Jordan seven times, I'll dip in the Jordan River seven times. If I've got to march around the walls of Jericho, I don't care how crazy I look. I don't care what you're asking of me. I want to see you work and move. The gift of prophecy. And there is a difference between the ministry of a prophet and a person who has the gift of prophecy. Prophets do tend to have this gift, obviously, but not everyone with this gift is a prophet. Just like I may have the gift of healings and I lay hands on you and pray for you and God may heal you. That does not make me a healer. My God is the healer. Amen? If you have a prophetic word and God uses you in that, that does not mean that you are a prophet. Prophecy is the ability to speak words given by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is to be used for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And if that word you felt led to share tears down, discourages, causes confusion, causes fear, then you can mark it down that word that you had was not from the Lord. Amen? If the word that you had causes confusion, my God is not the author of confusion. You've got to make sure that when you hear from the Lord that you're ready. That you're ready to hear from the Lord because you've got to say whatever he says. And you better make sure you hear what he says. When you start speaking on his behalf, you better make sure you got it. 
Or you could send somebody down a dark, dark road. Next is the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. And this is the ability to speak in languages not understood by the speaker. And this is not the same as speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance as being filled with the Holy Ghost. So many times when you're in Bible study and you're talking to somebody and you're telling them about being filled with the Holy Ghost and they say, well, that's not essential to salvation. That's just a gift of the Spirit. No, it's not either. I'm going to show you why. People often will combine these two and say that they're one and the same. But we know this is not the case. For in Acts 2.39, it tells us, For this promise is for their children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues is available for all. Everybody. Every child, every person, every man, every woman, it's available to all. But the gift of diverse of tongues is a gift that has been divided and given to some. Okay? So if these are one and the same, how can one be for everybody and one just be for some? Paul said, have all the gift of healings? Do all have the gift of tongues? It's not for everybody. This gift, everybody doesn't necessarily have this gift. But when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are going to speak in other tongues. Amen? Then you have the gift of the interpretation of tongues. This is the ability to interpret words previously spoken in a language unknown to the speaker and to the person to whom the gift is given. This gift does not indicate translation, rather interpretation. It captures the essence of the meaning in the vocabulary and grammatical styling of the recipient of this gift. The gifts of the Spirit are not given to draw attention to self. It's not about me. It's not, oh, look at me, look what I just did. I just laid hands on somebody and they got up. I just prophesied, and it was the word they needed. I get amazed that these people get on Facebook, and they talk, I just laid hands on five people, and they all got up, and blah, blah. The gifts of the Spirit are to edify, and to strengthen, and to build up myself. No, the church. The church. My brothers, my sisters, the people on the pew beside me. If my giftings are only building up myself, then I am failing. If the gifts God has given me is only building up and encouraging me, I'm failing miserably. But if I am doing it to build up those around me, then I am fulfilling the purpose that God gave to me. The gifts of the Spirit are to do all of these things, and they are not to be despised or forbidden. To do so would be to quench the Spirit. Paul explained the church's use of these gifts as part of the body's functioning properly. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God which is in him. What could my body be missing out on? If my heart all of a sudden said, you know what, I'm not important. I I don't really need to to work today. I don't have to operate today. I would die. 
if my kidneys and my lungs and my brain, all this, all of a sudden they just decided, you know what, I know I'm part of the body and I know that I've been given this gift to edify this body and to build up this body, but I'm just going to not do that today. I would die. That's why it is so important if you have a God-given gift, and you do, that you use it and that you make sure you're using it the way that you're supposed to be using it. And that you pray every day, God, let me function the way I'm supposed to function. Because this is not just about me. This is not just about my salvation and my soul. But there's going to be somebody at church on Sunday that may need me to be sensitive. They may need me to obey the Holy Ghost. They may need me to go to that prayer room and get right with God so that when we come out here that I'm sensitive enough to know what they're going through and that I can obey the Holy Ghost and be used by God. It's for the building up of the church. Your body will fight for you. Your immune system steps in like a bouncer who means business. It releases white blood cells and other chemicals that destroy threats, that cause reactions. It will cause you to sneeze, to boot out a virus in your nose. It's an elite squad of agents that zap invaders like bacteria, viruses, and funguses. ASAP, they zoom through your body and defend you. Our bodies are machines that help us. Every part is important. The one beside you tonight is important. The one across from you tonight is important. If all of my body parts decided that they were going to stop working, I would be in trouble. Part number four. It's our final part tonight. God desires that we love one another. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I do not have this, I have nothing. If I do not have this, I am nothing. Paul urged believers to desire the best gifts and then announced, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Paul tells us that no matter how much you may be used in the spiritual gifts, how spiritual you may be, love and our ability to show love is what determines who we really are. Love is not to just be said Love has to be shown. Some here tonight may be really good at saying it, but not good at showing it. The Bible says that this is the greatest indicator that we are His. Not that I pray, not that I speak in tongues, not how many people I witness to. He said, by this they shall know they are my disciples, that they have love one for another. You want to be the church? Then start pouring out the love. Love your neighbors, love your enemies, love your family, love the ones you're with, love the ones that are gone. Love is going to be the thing that makes the difference. Our world does not know love. And when they have an idea, they're twisting and perverting it and making you so sick to see what is out there. And people are buying into it because they sound so sincere. They've taken this word love and they have disgusted it. I can't even get into all of that tonight, but you know what I'm talking about. And they're having this false idea of love. But you hear me, if the church does not show love, then anything out there that is saying love 
other people are going to be attracted to it. If the church does not love, they're going to find somebody who will love them and will accept them and will embrace them when they're broken. So we've got to make sure we don't just love in our words, but we love in our actions. And we tell them, hey, this is the place you need to be. There's a church family that loves you. If we are not loving one another as Scripture has instructed us, not only are we failing in our obligation, but we are allowing our world to be polluted with a false idea of the word that is only leading to devastation. If we do not have love within the church, then we really can't call ourselves the church. Love is the guiding force by which the church operates. Paul said we are to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Gifts come unearned from God, but love can be obtained by my pursuit. One of the most powerful forces available to the church is love. Love. Guided individuals yielded to God and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If we say we love people of all backgrounds, ages, and ethnicities, but we demonstrate discrimination or racial prejudice in our speech or actions, we have not the love of Christ. If we say we love the poor, the widow, or the orphan, but we do not make accommodations to support and provide for such individuals, we are not showing them the love of Christ. And I close with this scripture tonight from the message, 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verse 1. He said, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I do not love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I do not love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I do not love, then I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasures in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Love never dies. And if our world needs anything right now, it needs love. It needs the love of Christ. It needs the love and embrace of the church. That's what every soul out there is looking for. Every child, every young person, every man, every woman, every depressed soul, every troubled spirit. They are looking for somebody to love them. They are looking for somebody that cares for them. 
And it doesn't matter how much you say you know. It doesn't matter how much you preach. It doesn't matter how much you talk to them about the Lord. If you're not loving them, then, then they're not wanting anything to do with what you've got. Amen. We've got to love these people. We may not like where they're at. We may not like the things that they're involved in. But we have got to show them that there is a God who can embrace them and can change them. Amen. There's some people in our world today that that are messed up. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. And you're saying, well, I I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if if when that happens or or perhaps they may walk through these doors. How do I respond to that? How do you respond to that? You say, you know what? We love you. We love you. God loves you. And regardless of wherever you're at or what you're feeling or what you're going through. Hey, look, I came here this way, but, but I'm this now. It doesn't matter how I came into this. It just matters how I'm going out. I've got to make sure that I have a church. I've got to make sure that I'm a part of the body of Christ and I'm counted in that number. I've got to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to support my brothers and sisters. I've got to make sure I'm doing everything I can to live in unity and that I am a part of the church. Amen. Let's all stand together tonight. Amen. Are you thankful for the church tonight? Are you thankful to know him tonight? Are you thankful for the ones that are around you tonight? Come on, let's lift our hands all over this house. Father, we love you tonight. God, I thank you for my church family. I thank you for these brothers and sisters that are joined together tonight. These comrades that are here with us. uh, Those that get down on their knees and fight with us in prayer. Those that worship with us. uh, That weep when we weep and rejoice when we rejoice. Uh, God, that pray for me. God, when I am down. They are there for me, Lord, when we suffer great loss. Uh, God, I cannot imagine life without this church. Uh, God, I pray that you would bless each one tonight. Uh, God, strengthen us. Let us go out, God, doing whatever we can to build up this wonderful body. God, and we praise you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for letting me be part of this glorious church. And we give you the glory and honor and praise tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God tonight. Remember, if you have your tithe and offering, you can give that as you slip out this evening to our ushers. Have a wonderful night. Love somebody tonight. Let them know how thankful you are that you're a part of this church together. Amen. Tell them you're thankful that they're your brother or your sister in Christ. God bless you.